Thanks for clicking on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. We are part of the Iowa Podcasters Collaborative. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. I'm joined once again by my buddy, Dr. Bob Leonard. How are you doing, Dr. Bob? I'm fantastic. It's almost gone right into summer. I mean, what's the deal? Last I knew it was 69 degrees, which is about as nice as it gets. And the only place I'd rather be than on the golf course right now is with your sexy ass, Dr. Bob. <laughs> Anything that you have coming out the shoot that you want to discuss? Because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I know, I'm still stunned by that comment. It's theater of the mind. People need to know that you have a sexy ass. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the 2023 legislative session is officially wrapped up. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll kind of have a full recap on next week's show. It may take a couple shows to recap everything that happened this legislative session. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Some of the biggest news out of the state is Iowa and Iowa State players are under investigation for gambling, wagering on sports, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, one of the biggest things from the legislative session was the quote-unquote school choice bill, so there's been more information about how that's actually going to work, and you can actually apply for those ESAs by the end of this month, so we'll talk about that. Also, 50 years ago, Iowa began collecting and analyzing data on residents diagnosed with cancer, and Iowa has the second worst cancer rates. Who's surprised by that? Nobody. And not only that, but we're also the only state with rising cancer rates. So Mm -hmm. Kentucky is number one, Iowa is number two in the highest incidence of cancer. So we'll talk about that a little bit. For Cock Talk today, not a whole lot of caucus news this week. Haven't had a whole lot of visitors to the state. We will have Trump coming to the Des Moines area coming up this weekend. But President Joe Biden's approval ratings have gone pretty much in the toilet, and that's not good news just two weeks after he declared that he will officially run for the presidency again. Also, President Joe Biden and congressional leaders, including top Republicans, will be meeting today to discuss the debt ceiling. We'll talk about that. And we'll also have some good news later on. One of those was from your state news this morning, so I'm sure you'll know about that a little bit. Top five this week is my top five baseball movies. We're officially into the baseball season. We're about a month in now, a month and a half almost, so we'll do my top five baseball movies. Right off the top, though, I wanted to talk about there's been 199 mass shootings in the United States so far this year. That's just through a couple days ago. We just had the shooting in Allen, Texas. We had an SUV drive into a group of people at a bus stop also in Texas earlier this week. And the reason I bring that up is I was doing Tulip Time last week in Pella, one of the biggest events in the state of Iowa. So I was there broadcasting, setting up on Thursday morning, and it was just this overwhelming sense of fear. It wasn't something I thought about even beforehand. It was literally just as I was setting up, seeing the streams of people coming through of what would happen right now if somebody decided today was the day that they wanted to do one of these shootings. I was thinking, how do I get out of here, first of all? Where would I go? And B, as a broadcaster, thinking, well, then I would be part of the story. I mean, I'm going to have to call in reports and say what's happening. And I bring that up just because that's never really happened to me before. I don't know if it's just with the wave of recent events that's sort of clouding my mind. I've certainly worried about other people. Certainly my girlfriend, Jesse's daughter, Skylar, she's in eighth grade. So I have worried about her before, of course. But this was really the first time that I've personally had an actual fear of gun violence in my entire life. Wow. You know, it's just 
never ending. It's relentless and uh, it's just hard for me to believe. Megyn Kelly, former Fox News broadcaster, came out with a tweet the other day. When are you liberals just going to get over it? We're not going to do anything about mass shootings. So we need to do mental health. But of course, the Republicans don't really put any money behind mental health. But to, they've just given up. They, they aren't even acting like there's anything we can do. Yeah, and it's a bunch of innocent people that are paying for that with their lives. And I've thought this my entire life, but why do we just forget that the Second Amendment is not just everybody gets guns? That's not how it's written. It says right there, a well-regulated, in order to maintain a well-regulated militia. And we just forget that those words mean anything, I guess. Well, their argument would be that we you know, need citizens' militias, and so we all need to be armed potentially you know for when the government but again well regulated well regulated means trained means that you are capable of using this weapon and not hurting other people so no, that's I'm, just forgotten yeah absolutely forgotten and it's like you know our understandings of this shooter it was that he was in the service and they didn't want him there for whatever reasons and he wasn't allowed to possess a weapon but he can on the streets of texas and, and then also that he, well, that's the shooter. I'm getting things confused here a little bit. Now I'm thinking about the, the guy that ran into the crowd of people. There's so much violence, random violence from the right wing. That's just, it's just crazy. Everything now is coming from the right wing. Timothy McVeigh's vision has come true. Right. It's just crazy. And this wasn't a crowd of protesters. This was- It was people, a bus stop. Yeah, well, people were lining up for something. But we've made it so it's okay to hit protesters with your vehicles. I mean, it happened in Cedar Rapids, so it's not so far away. But your point being, the fear of gun violence is, it's clear. And now I'm wondering if the schools have been hardened, that it's going to go other places like it did, what, a couple of weeks ago to a hospital? Is there a, is there a more soft target than a hospital? No. I mean, maybe a nursing home, you know, but now they've hardened the schools. Ultimate irony is the ultimate soft target where you can do the most damage is a gun show. Right. Just think if you walked into a gun show and everybody started shooting each exactly. other. Exactly. It, it would just be, it'd be a horrific. Yes. A massacre. So our softest target is the people <laughs> that think they're the most protected. Well, yeah, and that's what I don't get, too, is people on the right side of things, the right wing, I shouldn't say the right side of things, they do, I don't think they actually believe this, but what they try to peddle is that more guns is the answer. Oh, that you should silly. be able to protect yourself, and that's kind of the perfect analogy of what would happen if everybody was armed. Everywhere would be a gun show, and at that point, too, not only is it more difficult for the people that are in that area, whether it's a school or a mall or wherever these shootings take place, to know where that gunfire is coming from, it makes it even more difficult for law enforcement. Because when they show up to the scene, how are they supposed to know who's the quote-unquote good guy with a gun and who's the bad guy with a gun? And I guarantee if it hasn't happened already, that will happen. Where somebody who was trying to do the right thing and take out the shooter is then shot upon by law enforcement or maybe even another person with a gun who thinks there's a person with a gun, I need to take them out. Yeah. It's seriously like Yosemite Sam type crap. Like, just, it's almost comical. Yeah. The driving forces behind it, you know, this 
growing authoritarianism that's just turned everybody into a cowboy where you know your individual you know it's just sort of this crazy individualism that I have the right to do anything that I want with no responsibility. Yeah, it's like the Wild West. Like I'm protecting my homestead from Sooners. <laughs> Shooting kids that ring doorbells. Well, that was another thing that I brought up. That happened several times. And I actually just saw this morning that a young girl was shot in the back of the head by a neighbor who saw kids just playing outside in their backyard. He felt threatened and shot her in the back of the head. Well, and we have to look at the media that's stoking all these fears that, that makes every community, every urban center to be like a crime, you know, people on crime sprees at Fox News and OAN and Newsmax are making us fearful. And if you look at almost any statistic, we become a less and less violent society by the numbers almost across the board. I mean, obviously different cities have different circumstances, but in terms of violence in the United States, actual, you know, shootings, stabbings, robberies, etc., crime has consistently gone down since the 80s. So it is, it's just propaganda to get people scared and scared people will keep it on Fox News and they'll keep it there through the commercials so they can sell you gold bullion or whatever they're selling these days. Well, right. And when they introduced the assault rifle ban under the Clinton administration in the 90s, mass shootings went down 46% since they re, re since they let them be sold, since that uh, assault weapons ban uh, expired under the Bush administration, shootings are up like three or 400% mass shootings. So we know that assault weapon bans work. And the irony, too, is that was called the Brady Bill. And Brady, of course, worked for Ronald Reagan. He was shot on the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. So it was a Republican bill, basically. Right. Yeah. And now the Republicans, they won't touch anything, whether well, it's expanding background AR-15s. checks or red flag laws, because the guy in Texas, apparently all of his guns were legally obtained, and most of them were bought through private sellers, which, of course, in the state of Texas, there is no required background check through a private seller. Yeah. Well, there is an Iowa, so at least that's good. And maybe, maybe there is a silver lining. There, It just passed out of committee where Texas Republicans, well, the entire statehouse, passed through legislation from committee to the General Assembly to make it so you can't buy an assault rifle under the age of 21. So, I was surprised when I heard that. It's I, good. I was too. And I I mean, some of the fact that they just had this recent shooting and really a wave of recent shootings in the state of Texas. Again, maybe this is a silver lining. You wouldn't ask for any of that to happen, but if some good can come from that. And it also makes sense too, because even when they raised the age to buy alcohol from 18 to 21, or it was I think it was 18 to 19, then 21, was because they didn't want, if you're an 18-year-old in high school, that high school senior can buy beer for his junior, sophomore, freshman buddies. Well, if we make it 21, it's going to be a lot harder for those high school kids to know somebody that can buy them beer. And I think it's the same thing with a gun. If you have to wait until you're 21, I think that would make things a lot more safer. Yeah, our brain has matured more. Right, and also just exactly from a scientific point of view. So, And I think we agree on, on at least some ways that we can solve this issue. We've mentioned background checks and red flag laws. I just think it's really simple things that 70, 80% of the country 
agrees that those are things that should be universal. Yeah. The whole public does. So, I mean, it's the politicians that are getting funding from the NRA and are afraid to alienate the base. It's just, you know, going further and further to the right till they explode. Iowa and Iowa State athletes are under investigation for wagering on sports. They're from several different sports, including football, wrestling, track and field, basketball, and baseball. And I should stipulate they're all men's sports, so it's men's track and field and men's basketball. In a release, the University of Iowa and the Department of Athletics said the university has received information about 111 individuals, including 26 student athletes and one Iowa Department of Athletics employee. Iowa also said most of the individuals are student staff, former student athletes, and those who have no connection to Iowa athletics. None of the individuals are current or former coaches. This is kind of a developing story, so I'm sure by the time you even hear this Wednesday morning, there might be new news out there. But I think this is sort of, first of all, inevitable. Right. Absolutely. From the very beginning. I mean, we knew that the state legalized sports gambling and the fact that college students are gambling on sports should not come as a surprise. And I don't think it really, I'm not trying to say it has come as a surprise. I think most people would say when you watch TV or listen to especially sports radio and all you hear are betting lines and DraftKings and FanDuel, etc., what do you expect a 19-year-old college kid to do? Well, and that's right when we're still engaging in risky behavior. They probably, you know, this is sort of a thrill for them. And right. I mean, the, that time of our life when we do the most risky things is during, you know, those late teen and early 20 years. So, uh, you know, and they probably thought they'd never get caught. Right. But, you know, I just hope they weren't, you know, throwing games. That's going to be the next thing. Well, here's, I know that the... Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission has said that there has been no evidence of any point shaving, game throwing, etc. And this investigation was actually instigated by the Iowa DCI, the Department of Criminal Investigation. So this wasn't even an NCAA investigation or an Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission investigation, which leads some to believe what I've heard is this isn't a point shaving scandal. This isn't even really a athletes betting on sports scandal, although that is not allowed by NCAA guidelines, this is actually probably a situation where these athletes and staff are underage. So you have to be, so you have to be 21 years of age, just like to buy a beer in the state of Iowa, you have to be 21 years of age. So there certainly could be 18, 19, 20 year old kids that are maybe using somebody else's account on their phone, maybe using a parent's account or a friend's account, which of course is illegal if you're underage. Right, and my understanding is there's a DCI agent in every casino. Right. Yeah, so. And I think the other part of this is Iowa and Iowa State, we'll see what happens with this investigation, whether any charges are brought or anybody's suspended or possibly even kicked out of school, but this is going to be a nationwide issue. There was just an Alabama baseball coach that was fired because there was the possibility of some nefarious things going on, you know, possibly shaving points, but he was betting on his Alabama team. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a coach yeah. at Alabama. This isn't some, you know, nobody school either. Alabama is one of the biggest baseball programs in the country. And if their coach is involved in something like this, it's hard to blame 18, 19, 20 year old Iowa football or 
track athletes. No, the state, the adults sort of set the scenario, they set the stage, it was inevitable. Also, other, I guess, school news. We mentioned that the legislative session has wrapped up. Thank God. (laughs) Uh, They're done at least until January. But I mentioned off the top, the school choice bill, I guess I'll, I'll say. Education savings account. The education savings account. Thank you, Dr. Bob. That was passed and signed. A.K.A. vouchers. Yes, that's what I was going to say. School voucher bill. Well, in less than a month, Iowa families will officially be able to request state money to pay for their child's private school tuition. The online application opens on May 31st, and parents will have until June 30th to apply, so you'll have one month. Parents will receive state funds to pay for private school education expenses through an online system run by Odyssey, a private company hired to administer the program. The state selects the company to oversee their school choice program, and the state will pay Odyssey on a fixed fee basis. Their services will cost the state $682,333 for the first year that the program is implemented. Each year thereafter will cost the state $729,550. After verifying that each student is enrolled full-time in an accredited non-public school, Odyssey will begin depositing state funds in individual education savings accounts, those ESAs. Approved Iowa families will receive $3,817 to pay tuition and approved expenses that occur during the fall 2023 semester. That money will be deposited no later than 30 days after the application is submitted, and then another $3,817 will be available for the spring semester. So that's how it's going to work. Odyssey will run this scheme (laughs) to get money from the state to the parents and then to school. Yep. Taking public dollars meant for the good of the general public, putting them into private hands that will support, most likely most of them are Christian schools, uh, more in line with what, well, no, it's not. Christians come in all political stripes. The private schools tend to be more conservative, and that's exactly what Kim Reynolds wants is for kids to be in those schools that are more ideologically aligned with her and using public money to do it. It was brilliant. But, it, you know, the consequences are, well, first thing that happened was that a whole lot of private schools raised their tuition from 10 to 20, 10 to 40 percent, some of them. And so it's going to undermine our schools. So this is to, de- and so our public schools will be further destabilized, okay, which is what they want. They want them to underperform. They're going to have all the kids with special needs. They're going to have all the kids that the uh, uh, private schools don't want. And they call it school choice. It's not your choice for your kid's school. It's the school's choice whether or not they're going to educate your kid. And it's just, it's just crazy. But it's, you know, it's part of long-term oh, consolidation of power by the Republicans. It's really, really smart. It was interesting. I was on Twitter earlier today, and Ty Rushing, who is one of the best reporters in the state of Iowa, he covers the Iowa State House, and he was saying that he was doing some research, just looking into what tuition costs would be at a lot of the different private schools, mostly Christian schools, like you said. He said it's very difficult to find. Most of them don't even have it yet, but they do have almost all of them information on applying for that ESA. So they won't tell you exactly how much it's going to cost, but they will tell you, here's how you can help us get state money for your kid. Yeah. 
And like you said, tuition at almost any Christian school you can think of is going up, especially the fact that they already know how much people are willing to pay. They've been paying whatever the tuition has been so far, so they'll get another subsidy. So even if they're actually out of pocket cost is cut in half, they're still saving money. You know what I'm saying? And then they can pocket the rest of that money that we are paying for. Right. Paying for schools that don't have to admit our kids and grandkids. Exactly. It's Yeah. Now, it's like paying for water that, that you can't drink. Right. So, it's just, it's amazing. And it is, yeah, I, I bring it up mainly just because it is now the law of the land. And it's something that we'll continue to talk about and see what happens. I think it's going to be a nightmare. Most states that have this in place it's turned into a nightmare and yeah and the educational outcomes aren't any better right. no matter what they say but our public schools will be you know further gutted and then they'll do it again and again and again and i don't know maybe there's some bottom for them for the republicans okay we won't let it bottom out any further than this but the goal is to have most kids in private christian schools that's what they want I think one of the worst things that happened, and I'm not saying there was any way around it, especially in the state of Iowa, which does have a very rural population and just a few metros. But, I mean, since you graduated high school or college, there's probably about half of the school districts, you know, in the past 50 years. Yeah. So that and that number was already not looking good. And this is just going to accelerate that. So like you live in the Twin Cedars School District. Do you see Twin Cedars around in another 15, 20 years? It's hard to say. I mean, um, if you talk to... And they might be a bad example because they are a well-run school and they've got a lot of, you know, school pride, etc. I was just using them as an example of there's a lot of schools that play eight-man football or, you know, just have a small school population that... This is not going to help them because then a lot no. of kids are just going to be able to take that money. And then even if they don't go to private school, maybe they go to Knoxville or maybe they go to Oskaloosa because now they've got some extra money to spend. Or maybe they go to an online school. Yeah. Out of state online school. That could be the case too. I mean, yeah, or increase the homeschool population. I don't, you know, the homeschoolers that I know do a good job. I, well, I know some homeschool parents that are semi-literate. I don't know exactly what resources they have, but most of the people I know do a good job with them. The kids are doing just fine. But there's going to be more uh, Natalie Finns, and there's going to be all kinds of people that just get the money and not educate their kids just because there's an opportunity there for them. Yeah, as sad as it is, that will be the case. I mentioned Iowa's cancer rates are the second highest in the entire nation. The only state with a higher cancer rate is Kentucky. Kentucky also has a very high rate of smoking, which does make yep. sense because it's Kentucky yeah. and that's where they grow a lot of tobacco. Iowa also has a fairly high rate of smoking. And of course, we're also a, an older population. So it shouldn't be a shock that we're high on the cancer list. But another reason why I bring that up is we talked not too long ago, you used the word evil and I agree, but now with the HPV vaccine not being allowed to be talked about in school, it can't be administered at schools, that's not going to help the cancer rate. It's going to cause it to go even right. higher. Well, my understanding is it, it's optional to teach it, and so, but it needs to be taught. Right. And just that they don't, that there isn't a bigger uproar 
we can stop it. But they think that it makes the girls promiscuous if they get it. That's just crazy. It is crazy. I mean, that's some kind of a weird conspiracy theory. But where's the outrage in all the media? You know, I don't know. Well, right here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, they live in another world. And it also makes me think, too, like, if there's ever an HIV vaccine or a herpes vaccine and it has to be administered or not necessarily has to be, but like the HPV vaccine, it's best to be given that vaccine when you're younger. Like, yeah. where's the line that gets drawn where HPV is is not as well known, not as scary maybe as HIV, but there is a line somewhere where it's like, okay, that's going to make these girls promiscuous, but the cost-benefit analysis from a Republican point of view is I'd rather have them get anal cancer when they're 40 than sleep around when they're 17. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's sexist too. I mean, boys and men get it too. Yeah, exactly. There are cancers that the HPV vaccine prevents in men too. Yeah, so it doesn't make any sense. I mean, well, it makes a sense in their worldview. It's just they're not aligned with ours or with most of the public. I wish I knew, I maybe I don't wish I knew more about the Republican psyche because it's oftentimes scary, but I wish I understood more because that can't be the fucking excuse. They're gonna be more promiscuous? Yeah. I mean, I know it's the excuse, but do, I mean, they can't really believe that. Well, they just, you know, they just think that people will say, oh, I won't get that disease and so I, can be promiscuous or whatever. Not that any diseases. And what's this concept of promiscuity anyway? Right. And who gets to decide? Yeah. What you do with your own body? Right. <laughs> it's been a tough episode so far, and we're only like halfway through. I'm like beat red, just being kind of upset with Republicans. You know, I do want to say we're not even too good news yet, but. I do feel like there is quite a bit of good news for Democrats. They did it historically well in the midterms. Mm -hmm. We held on to the Senate. The House is just a narrow margin. We'll get to Joe Biden's polling numbers here in just a minute. But we've also had elections at statewide levels. Of course, we had the Wisconsin Supreme Court. That was, what, about a month ago or so, where the progressive candidate won. So the Wisconsinites actually voted for the Democrat in that race. And I think that story has been repeating almost everywhere except for Iowa. I think we just are so surrounded by Republicans and most of our statewide reps are Republicans. You and I's state house and house of representatives are Republican lawmakers. But on the whole, I think that Democrats are doing better than I, than I even thought they would three or four years ago. Well, it's because the issues are aligned with most people. People don't always know that, and they don't always vote in their own, you know, economic or self-interest. It's just they sort of see a bigger picture. The Republican brand is so strong, you know, just the inertia of the Republican brand before Trump is still so strong with so many people. And that, you know, Trump hasn't impacted as much. We'll see how he slowly pulled down. We'll see by the criminal cases and 
I just think sooner or later it's going to get to him or Ron DeSantis is going to, you know, rise, Nikki Haley, somebody. But, you know, Trump's going to be here next Saturday. He's counter-programming Ron DeSantis, who's going to be in Cedar Rapids the same day. I'll go see Trump in in Des Moines, and that'll be interesting. There are always interesting rallies. Um, so I just think it's all up in the air. And you know what? I think Biden's policies have been great, but I think Biden's too old. I think Trump's too old. Right. And I think that the media is always saying this about Biden. First, you got the right wing, so, you know, putting all the crap out there about Biden. And then, well, the right wing, Fox News, is the mainstream press now. It has ratings bigger than MSNBC and CNN combined. But so you've got this big mouthpiece saying he's not fit for it. And then the regular media picks up on it and, and ponders that issue as well. And so this is a you know Republican narrative that the press, like the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, even MSNBC, they're also asking that question. But they don't, which I think is a reasonable question, but it's also a reasonable question about Trump. So it's... It's also interesting from my point of view, I was just thinking about this the other day, that Iowa does seem like, it, li it feels like we live in a world where Trump is still president in Iowa. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the things that he, just a lot of the stuff that they talk about, and a lot of the things they pass this legislative session, are admittedly just to piss off Democrats. And that's just a Trumpian thing. Right. Yeah. And the LGBTQ, you know, making sure that you use the bathroom that you were assigned at birth and all that sort of stuff. It just also seems so five years ago, almost. You know what I mean? Like, Iowa always has had kind of the reputation of if something becomes a fad or popular in New York or L.A., we don't get it until two or three years later. Maybe it's like that with politics, too. Oh, that's a good thought. I hadn't thought of that. Where people on the coasts and and Chicago, et cetera, they're on to this thing right away, and then we don't get it until it filters its way into the Midwest. Yeah. I don't know. Some, and some things, you know, that they're just constructed, they're just straw men, you know, drag queens. Right. I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> they're evil. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's an interesting element of human expression that's sort of on the edge for a whole lot of people, but it's been around for forever, for thousands of years. There's been, you know, people that assume that, uh, oh, the gender identity. Well, first, I mean, the biology of it's really complex. Right. But, you know, with respect to inter, intersex people, 2%, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to belabor it, but 2% of people are born intersex where there has to be a decision made, you know, the brain chemistry, um, Hormone. I mean, it's all very complex. It's not binary. The science says it's not binary. But then there's, you know, the other behaviors, too, that, you know, cross-dressing, for example, it's been around forever. Yeah. And along that line, I saw not too long ago, there was an Olympian who, I think this was in the mid-70s, was stripped of their medal because they realized that they had an XY chromosome instead of XX. And this person mm -hmm. had was a woman period end of story and they were stripped of their medal because of situations like that where it's not always clear even biologically necessarily right. it's just up to the person and why can't people just understand that yeah 
And I don't know. I think we should double down on it. Democrats always sort of back up and be thoughtful about everything. Yeah, seed ground, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, seed ground. And then Republicans always double down. I think we need to double down. And I think we need to nominate RuPaul for president. Yes. I think RuPaul would stand a good chance. I do too. I do too. RuPaul would be fantastic. Kids love RuPaul. (laughs) Right. I hear kids talking about RuPaul all the time. They're they're just all kinds of kids that love RuPaul. I mean, it's just like RuPaul isn't an evil force. No. I don't think any trans person is an evil force. I think most of the time they are subject to evil. Most of the time they, I mean, if you look at statistics, they are by far some of the most victimized people in the United States of America with violent crime, rape, murder, etc. Assault. And trans kids I've talked to here have talked about being assaulted and the middle-aged Christian ladies that yell at them that they're going to go to hell. It's just, well, you heard the interview I did. Right. But, I mean, there's trans kids everywhere. There's, I don't know how many I know. And they're all very bright, very artistic. And uh, just welcome them and love on them. Should be that simple. I mentioned President Biden's polling numbers. This was the latest poll released yesterday, which was Monday. ABC News Washington Post poll found that two weeks after the president announced his re-election campaign, Biden's approval rating dipped to 36%, down from February and just below his previous low in 2022. A significantly higher percentage of people, 56%, disapprove of the job the president has done so far, and the majority of Democrats surveyed, 58%, said they would rather Democrats pick someone else to be their presidential nominee. Well, I wish that the Democrats would have picked somebody else besides Joe Biden in the first place. Yeah. But I think he's done a good job. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything inherent in the man himself that necessarily is the driving force behind the good job he's doing. He's, he's hired a lot of good people. There's a lot of good people that work for him and believe in him. But, I mean, so there's just that general ambiguity. I mean, in Iowa, we've been ambiguous about Biden forever. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that people are going to vote for Donald Trump. That still view Biden as, you know, not the person they want. They're not going to, just because they would prefer somebody else doesn't mean they're not going to vote for him. Right. I think that will be interesting to watch is just if it is Trump versus Biden, what the turnout will be, because we had a great turnout for the election in 2020. A lot of that was because a lot of people were doing mail-in ballots because of the COVID epidemic. One of the other interesting stats, we mentioned just the age factor. 26% of the respondents said Biden, who is 80, is too old for another term. And an additional 43% said both Biden and Trump, who is 76, are too old, and only 28% said that neither is too old for another four years in the White House. They're both too old. Right. And almost 50%, 43% said that they're both too old. Yeah. And the 57% said they're not too old are probably 76 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even older than you, Dr. Bob. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I wouldn't want to be president. Let's take a wider scope, taking a look at some national news. Uh, by the way, that was cock talk little caucus talk. President Joe Biden and congressional leaders, including the top two Republicans, will meet today, Tuesday, in the Oval Office to open negotiations to head off an impending default crisis, although neither side expects the summit to make much progress, which I don't either. I guess it's good that they're meeting. That doesn't happen all that often. 
when the president meets with the two Republican leaders and the Republicans just want to cut a bunch of stuff to yeah. pass through the debt ceiling. Right. Which Biden does not want to do. He is he has said that he's willing to negotiate through the budget process, but he doesn't want this to be a part of the debt ceiling and it shouldn't be. You shouldn't hold the you know yeah. the whole country's faith and credit on your wish list as a legislator. Trillions and trillions, I'm, the number sticking in my head is like $22 trillion worth of tax cuts under the Trump administration that Republicans now don't want to pay for. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. Right. They wrote, they raised the debt. They, all of, you know, all of this was tax cuts yep. for the rich that we have to pay for now. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. And they're holding us hostage for their actions. Yeah, and of course we don't want to raise taxes or take some of that money back from the rich people. They want to take money away from poor people. Yeah. Social security cuts, Medicare, Medicaid, etc. Yeah. And also you're not willing to touch the military budget, so that's the third rail. We can't touch that. So it all falls on the backs of poor people. I mean it's but the general public doesn't know that. Because they just, they're just thinking, oh, our taxes are too high. Yeah. But they don't realize the whole forces behind this that drove up, you know, that what we have to pay for under yeah. Trump. I mean, it was just, that's what, ha that's what happens under Republicans, is they increase the national debt. The last five administrations, Republicans have increased the, um, the deficit, and the Democrats pay it down. Always. And they blame the Democrats for it. Look at a graph yeah. since 1965 or whatever. Something. And that's what happens. Yeah. Debt goes up here. And then, I mean, Bill Clinton even had a surplus towards yeah. the end of his presidency. And Obama came in on a recession, yeah. which obviously Biden also came in. It was different circumstances because we had a worldwide pandemic. But he also came in under close to recession type numbers and is trying to work our way yeah. back up. Trump's deficit spending was much greater. They're also looking at whether they want to do a short-term deal. So the Democrats, of course, do not want to do a short-term deal. I don't think the, the country, nobody wants a short-term deal except for the Republicans. And the only reason they would take that, most likely, is that they don't get what they want now. So they want to set it up probably in a situation where this goes into brinksmanship when we're right in the middle of the 2024 campaign. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's probably what they're waiting for. Just to make Biden look as bad as possible at the worst time possible. Well, and what's happening that we don't even understand? What are the Wall Street bankers saying? All the people with the big money. All of this is to manipulate the markets. Mm -hmm. So that they were probably anticipating, let's, let's destabilize the market so that you're in my retirement accounts. So they get hammered and things go low. Stock market gets near crashing, but they know the perfect time to buy back. Yep. So they're buying when things are low, and then they're, they'll shoot up through all the money, and then our 401c3s are gone. Right. right. 401k. 401ks. You got too much of a news journalist mind. You were thinking 501c3 organization, no. weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> a nonprofit just organization. Spitting out random numbers and letters. 401c K7209er. Is there a niner in there? Maybe, if you want one. Uh, it's time for our What's Good segment. It's already been, yeah, quite a lot of not-so-good stuff. Uh, and he's been a great 
part of our Iowa Revolution podcast so far. Keegan Murray, former Iowa basketball star, has made the NBA All-Rookie First Team. Congratulations to Keegan Murray. He finished the season averaging 12.2 points per game and 4.6 rebounds per game. Great numbers for a rookie. He set the rookie record for three-pointers made in a season with 206. So a record-breaking season for Keegan Murray, one of the most successful Sacramento Kings seasons in history that he was a large part of. And now he can cap off his first season in the NBA on the all-rookie first team. Well, I think it'd be great if he would sit here and talk to us about how it was to make the transition from college to the pros and, and how he had to up his game, things he learned, things that he realized he should have learned a long time ago, how his teammates helped him. I mean, it would be really interesting to have a long interview with somebody with that kind of success at that critical juncture in their obviously outstanding career. Yeah, it's just quite the jump to go from Iowa City to the NBA. Also, he's the first ever Iowa or former Iowa Hawkeye basketball player to make the all-rookie first team. So he's a record setter in many different ways. And he's right from Cedar Rapids, too, which makes it even cooler. He's not just you know an out-of-state prospect that comes to the University of Iowa and then goes to the NBA. He's from right up the road in Iowa City, you know, Cedar Rapids to Iowa City, and his brother will most likely join him next year. He'll probably be a first-round pick. Chris Murray is his younger brother, so it would be very cool if they were on the same team. I would not be surprised, honestly, if Sacramento picked him if they had a chance. So congratulations to Keegan Murray. This was the story I brought up, uh, more good news. Des Moines police say a two-year-old boy is safe thanks to a neighbor who caught him after he fell from a second-story window on Monday. Kyrie Jones was walking her dog when she noticed the toddler hanging out the window in the 1900 block of Merle Hay Road in Des Moines. This is a quote. I noticed the little boy was bending over the edge of the window and he was throwing things out the window, said Jones. Jones, who lives next door, says she started knocking and ringing the doorbell to alert the child's mother, but no one answered. She then called the police and went back to the window to keep an eye on the child. This is a quote. When I came back out, the baby was holding onto the ledge, so I stood right underneath him just in case. Jones said through tears on Monday. The child ended up losing his grip and falling from the window. Jones, who is 33 weeks pregnant, yeah. says she caught him just before he hit the concrete. Quote, he kind of hit my belly a little bit. I think the adrenaline kicked in and I didn't feel anything. End quote. Superwoman. She is. Yeah. 33 weeks pregnant, catching a two-year-old. That's not a small, no, you know, that's not catching not. a baby. Out of a yeah. two-year-old is hefty. A chunk. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not easy at all. So good for you, Kyrie Jones. Some good news this week yes. in the state of Iowa. Uh, it's time for my top five, unless you've got anything else that's on your mind, stewing or cooking up. No, I've got nothing. It's just, I just think that, you know, we're at a critical juncture in our history and American people need to do the right thing. We need to do everything that we can to preserve democracy. Authoritarians all over the world are are gaining power and uh, we're, you know, the Republican Party is trying to consolidate power. It's, uh, I don't know, a critical time in our democracy. There probably hasn't been, you know, I guess the Civil War was big, but for some reason this feels fundamentally different in the sense that the Civil War wasn't about consolidating power by one party wasn't trying to change democracy, it was trying to to make democracy more available, to invite more people into democracy. This is about 
And people are going to say it's hyperbole, but it's not. This is about ending democracy. And whenever Republicans talk about, well, we aren't a democracy anyway, we're a republic, <laughs> they're setting the stage. They're giving away the game. Yeah, that's right. So we always need to expand democracy to include formerly enslaved people, to include women, to include you know, gay people, trans people, include all of humanity, the great, big, wide, beautiful rainbow that we are. Democracy should be expanding, not contracting. And the Republicans want it to contract, to privilege white males, old ones. And we need to call it out. Everything they're doing is for that end. Think about everything that they're doing from public schools to taxes. Abortion rights. Yeah, to housing, to everything, to child labor, to the reduction of SNAP benefits. This is what they're trying to do. And I'm not going to help them. That's why you listen to the Iowa Revolution podcast right there. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. It's time for my top five baseball movies. Uh, I mentioned before, I think the first episode, I'm a Twins fan. You're a Seattle Mariners fan. Can you name one Seattle Mariner? Today? <laughs> yeah. No. I thought, I I, I thought after we were recording that podcast, I was like, I really should have had him name. And I like the St. Louis Cardinals back whenever I paid attention. And, you know, the Twins were okay. I remember, you know, this is an interesting story. It was, so I came back from my grandpa's funeral in like 1988 or 86 or something. And the Twins were in the World Series with against St. Louis. And I was in... 87. 87. Well, that's my grandpa died. And I was in a bar in Waterloo (laughs) and sitting there. And the World Series, why was I in Waterloo? (laughs) But I was in Waterloo. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but anyway, so a guy, you know, there was... Not many people cheering for St. Louis. I was, because this was back in Ozzy Smith times yeah. and stuff like that. Right. And all kinds of great players. And I was cheering for the St. Louis Cardinals. And the guy said to me, why are you cheering for the St. Louis Cardinals and not the Minnesota Twins? I said, well, because I like them. I grew up listening to them. But that's the black people's team. Oh, wow. Yeah. The St. Louis, so it was the white people, except for Kirby Puckett, and the black, versus the black people in St. Louis. And I thought... What century are we in? No kidding. So I do have a story with that. Well, and that's not too long after. I mean, that's 22 years, I think, after the Twins moved from, they were the Washington Senators. They moved to Minnesota because of that reason. They had a racist owner named Calvin Griffith who was tired of uh, Washington, D.C., and most of his paying customers were black. And he was a racist. And if you owned a team and wanted to go where there was white people, you couldn't pick a better town than Minneapolis. Right. And that's why they moved to Minneapolis. Good to know. So, which is the like the shame of being a Twins fan. But I digress. Uh, top five baseball movies, finally. Number five, Rookie of the Year. Didn't see it. It's about Henry Rowan Gardner who injures his arm and becomes a major league piss, uh, pitcher. Almost said major league pisser. <laughs> But he was like, you know, 12, 13 years old and and playing baseball in the major leagues with like a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Sounds contrived. (laughs) It's very contrived. (laughs) 
And the only reason it's really on this list is because it came out when I was that age. So it's like sort of living vicariously through this kid. Like everybody's dream when they're 12 years old is to be in the major league someday. So it was just the right time for me to see a movie like that. So I've got to have it in my top five. Number four is you've had to have seen Major League. Maybe. Cleveland Indians, Wesley Snipes, Charlie Sheen. I saw the commercials. Tom Berenger. You've never seen Major League? No. There was one of the actors that was in some lawyer show. Yeah, what the heck is his name? Blonde guy. Corbin Burnson? Maybe. Something like that. My mom will be mad at me because she loved L.A. Law and loved Corbin Burns. I think it's Corbin Burnson. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, number four is Major League. I cannot believe you haven't seen nah. it. Number, th- <laughs> number three, now I'm not surprised you can't name a Seattle Mariner. Number three is Bull Durham. I saw Bull Durham. I hey! Liked, I liked Bull Durham. That was good. Yeah. Just about minor league baseball. Yeah. Driving on buses. Kevin Costner. Yeah, I was going to say... Kevin Costner, right? But I didn't want you to make fun of me. And so then that was the other guy, the uh, guy that was married to Susan Tim Sarandon. Robbins. Yeah, Tim yeah. Robbins. Yep. He was in it. He was Yeah, funny. excellent. Yep. Yeah. Number two is Moneyball. Didn't see it. You would love Moneyball. You were a statistics guy. You wrote a statistics book. And it's all math. Math and baseball. I should have gone. I don't know what I was thinking. And it was based on a book by uh, Michael Lewis, who wrote The Big Short. He's a very well-regarded, well-known investigative journalist. And he wrote a book called Moneyball, and that's what the movie's based off of. So it's, it's really, really good. Jonah Hill's in it. Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, who's the general manager of the Oakland A's. And he kind of turns them around using this different perspective on how to value players. You would really like it, I think. Yeah, well, no, I used to follow Bill James and all the that's Yes, that's stuff. all, yep, that's that was very pretty much what this movie is about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, how Bill James revolutionized baseball. Yep. And actually other sports now, it's just right. amazing. It really is. And this was back in the 80s and early 90s when I was yep. reading all about that. In fact, I was a member of the National Institution or whatever of Sabermetrics. I'd get their newsletter all the yeah, time. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sure that was fascinating yeah. stuff. And that was all groundbreaking things. Yeah. And Bill James was not, he was almost persona non grata for a yeah. while in baseball circles because he was so revolutionary and so ahead of his time that the managers and GMs of that time were like, this dude's a lunatic, don't listen to him. But he got the last Data laugh. Data science. <laughs> right. Number one, not Field of Dreams, The Sandlot. Never saw it. Oh my God. I saw Field of Dreams. It's one of my favorite authors. That's me banging my head on the table. <laughs> Have you ever seen Field of Dreams? Yeah. So, <laughs> the movie that doesn't make my list I've seen. is the movie that you've seen. Yeah, Kinsella. I've read all of his work. Oh, really? The author. Yeah. Okay. He went to the University of Iowa Writers Workshop. That's right, I knew that. Yeah. yeah. And it certainly is a very good movie. I don't have it on my top five, but I'm also not trying to say that it's not a good movie. It's just not in my top five. If you like Field of Dreams, so do I. Mm-hmm. can even be number one on your list if you want. How about A League of Their Own? Also a great movie. Yeah. Just not on the top five. And it was that is a great, great movie. Women. Yeah. 
women baseball players. Gina Davis, who's also a stellar, uh, she's an Olympic athlete. She's a archer. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, she's, I don't know if she's medaled. I think she has medaled in the Olympics. But yeah, she's a world-class archer and world-class athlete. So not surprising that she was the star of the movie. An actor. She's excellent. Next week, top five sounds. Be thinking of sounds that are pleasurable to you. Not too pleasurable, but pleasurable. Has to be a sound that's as good as the smell of baking bread. Ooh. We'll do top five smells at some point, so that might be on there. But yeah, next week is top five sounds. All right. The sound of the money coming out of the ATM. That is a good sound. Yeah. Also, like winning a jackpot yeah. with the. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we got to tease it. Make sure people tune in next week. Anything else, Doctor Bob? No. Nope. I think That's we've it. rambled long enough. This is the Iowa Revolution podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. Doctor Bob has a Substack called Deep Midwest. Make sure you search that out on Substack. Google Robert Leonard Deep Midwest and you'll find it there. And also he's part of the Iowa Writers Collaborative, so make sure you follow those people if you so choose. You can also email us if you have any questions, concerns, comments, iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. Dr. Bob, always good to see you. We'll see you again next week. Looking forward to it.